0: I need a show of hands, and if you're embarrassed to do this, please don't, because I don't want to embarrass anybody tonight, I want to be very sensitive about people's feelings and so forth, but has anyone in your family, or your particular family, or a close family member, or maybe somebody that you love very much, gone through a divorce, will you raise your hand? I want you to look around. Okay, you can put them down. Now you know why we're going to talk about divorce tonight. So... Um, I want to read two passages, and when I read, I always kind of worry that people are going to tune me out. So they're really short, and they're to the point, but I want you to pay attention. The first one is New Testament, and the second one's Old Testament. So the New Testament is from Matthew 19, and it's, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You can just follow along, or you can look it up later if you'd like. But this is Jesus speaking um, in, the, in the book of Matthew Um, So it's given a little dialogue here at first. It says, Some Pharisees came and tried to trap Jesus with this question. Should a man be allowed to divorce his wife for just any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two but one, Let no one split apart what God has joined together. Then why did Moses say in the law that a man could give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away, they asked. Jesus replied, Moses permitted divorce only as a concession to your hard hearts, but it was not what God had originally intended. And I tell you this, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery unless his wife has been unfaithful. Jesus' disciples then said to him, if this is the case, it's better not to marry. Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said, only those whom God helps. Some are born as eunuchs, some have been made eunuchs by others, and some chose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. That's some pretty, uh, I'm going to unpack that for you in a little bit, but that's some pretty uh, straightforward talk there. And I want to go also into the book of Malachi, which is one of the last books in the Old Testament, and this is only just four verses long. Uh, and this is God speaking. It says here, he is an- Here's another thing that you do, says the Lord. You cover the Lord's altar with tears, weeping and groaning, because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, Why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? I'll tell you why. Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made when you were young, but you've been unfaithful to her. Though she remained your faithful partner, the wife of your marriage vows, Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty, says the Lord of heaven's Heaven's armies. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. I want to unpack these verses for you just a little bit, and uh, we're going to leave here on a really happy note, too, on a hopeful note. So um, if you are the product of divorce, your family is split up right now, I want you to know there's hope, and it doesn't have to be that way for you for your whole life, okay? So first, let's get to some of the um, passage as far as what God originally intended. So let's talk about these. Um, you, by the way, a little disclaimer. Do you know what a disclaimer is? It means basically, I'm just warning you ahead of time. Some of the stuff I'm going to say you're going to disagree with, don't hate me for it. Um, I do love you, and I know your Heavenly Father loves you very much. You might not agree with what I'm going to say, but I'm just going to use the Bible to kind of back up what I'm saying, all right? Um, first thing I want to make as far as point number one. God's plan and definition for marriage was for there to be one man and one woman for one lifetime. Now, I know our culture right now says something different than that. And it's kind of funny, 20 years ago, the way that our culture is right now, you never would have heard about men marrying men, and women marrying women, and so forth. And I'm not going to go down that that road right now, Um, but I want you to know as far as what the Bible says, it's one man, one woman for one lifetime together. That's how God originally intended it to be. in uh, Genesis, the first chapter, it says, so God created human beings in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So first of all, in that uh, little portion of the Bible is saying that, first of all, we're made in God's image. So his stamp is on us. We're, we're like him in some ways, right? The angels aren't like him, but we are. The second thing is, is there are only two genders. And I know that um, nowadays, I, I don't know, what are we up to 57 or something like that? But, but uh, I'm not trying to be funny, but it's, it's true. There's a lot of, everybody keeps adding new genders and so forth, but there's male and there's female according to the Bible, right? So that's point number one is that we're made in God's image and that there's two gen- genders, male and female. <clears throat> I feel like I'm 14 again. Sorry. Uh, point number two, um, marriage equals oneness equals union. Okay. So Matthew 19:5 and six says the two will be united into one and they'll no longer be two, but one. So um, I'm glad y'all are adults here. So what I'm getting ready to say, I don't, you know, if you, you're not a middle schooler, so you don't have to giggle about this. But there's several unions that the Bible's talking about here. One of them is a sexual union. It's when men, men and women come together, in marriage, sexually. The second type of union that it's talking about is a genetic union. It's a godly offspring. In fact, if you uh, look back on the Malachi chapter that I read to you, it says, why has God put two people together? It's so that they'll have godly offspring, godly children. So one of the, reason that there's, one of the reasons that we have sex is, is to procreate, is to make babies, right, to have godly children. So that's the second union. The third union is a spiritual union. It's between a man and a woman and God to have a spiritual union. Um, and that's supposed to be a picture, basically, on earth, Marriage is supposed to be a picture of our relationship with God in heaven. Um, In fact, oftentimes in the New Testament, the Bible talks about the bride of Christ, the church, meaning us. We're the church being the bride of Christ. So there's a spiritual union that's a picture, a man and woman, together in harmony, in oneness, in union, is a picture of our relationship with God. So um, I'm going to give you a little caution here. Some people nowadays um, have gotten into kind of the, um, the thought that sex is really no big deal, that if you want to have sex with somebody, you just have sex with them, and it's really not that big a deal. Um, I'm going to beg to differ with you tonight. It actually is a really, really big deal. The way that God sees it is he sees it as a blood covenant. Now, I want to point to a blood covenant that also happened, and it was called the cross. When Jesus died for us, he shed his blood for us, right? And by doing that, he allowed the judgment of God to fall upon himself and for us to be set free. So that was a blood covenant. God also sees sexual unions as a blood covenant. I won't get into all the nitty-gritty details, but I'm just saying don't be flippant about being promiscuous with other people. Listen, if if you've not had sex with anybody, you're not weird. All right. You might think I'm weird, I don't care, but I was twenty five years old and my wife was twenty-three and we were both virgins and we got married and had sex with each other the first time. and That's the only person in my life I've ever had sex with and, and she with me, and that's it. Now, that's not weird. I don't have any weird memories now of any other woman, and she doesn't of any other man. It's okay. Some of you are saying, well, I feel weird because I'm like the only virgin that I know, and I, no, you're not. There's, there's tens of thousands. There's hundreds of thousands of you. It's just that people sometimes don't come forward. It's cool to be a virgin, so if you are, stay that way, and if you're not, Maybe tonight you could make a commitment to be from this point on. So that's just kind of a little, that was extra, I was free. Anyway, um, so be careful when it comes to sexual unions. God sees them as a blood covenant. Next little point I wanted to make is point number three. When sin came into the world, brokenness also came into the world, right? So at that point, divorce also happened. So if you go back and you look at this uh, chapter that we were reading in Matthew, the Pharisees are coming up to Jesus, and they're trying to accuse him, basically. They're saying, look, are you better than Moses? Because Moses told us we could put our wives away. All we got to do is just write her a little letter and say, you're excused. You're off the hook. You're no longer my wife. Get out of my house. That's what the Pharisees were trying to say. Are you better than Moses? And Jesus was saying, listen, it was never intended to be that way. There was never supposed to be some little written piece of paper that says to your wife, you know what, I don't need your services as my wife anymore. You can go away. All right? It was when sin and brokenness came into the world, and Jesus said it was because of the, quote, hardness of their hearts. So um, I want you to picture that for a moment. I want you to imagine for a moment that a man could go up to his wife, hand her a piece of paper, and say, you're no longer my wife. At that point, this woman's on her own. She's kicked out of the house. She's ostracized from all of society because nobody wants her now. He may throw some of the children out, too, usually the girls. Do you get that, ladies? The man could just throw all the women out of the house and say, you know, I'll keep my sons, but the women can all go. Lady, you're excused. You're no longer my wife. At this point, she has no way to take care of herself. She doesn't have a home. She doesn't have a job. She's out. That's an awful thing. You know, when when you go and you look at um, this passage that we're talking about in Malachi where it talked about um, cruelty, that it was cruel to do that. Can you feel the cruelty of a man looking at his wife and saying, get out of my house and take your girls with you? And you're now homeless? So how does God feel about divorce? Um, I've got a series of questions I kind of want to talk to you about. Um, first of all, according to these chapters we just read, he hates divorce. Now, I want to make something really clear. He doesn't hate the people that divorce, he just hates the divorce. Why? It's because something's being broken that he put together. Because of what's going to happen after that, because of the effect it has on children, because of the effect it has on women and men with broken hearts and broken homes. God hates divorce, and he doesn't want that for his people. Um, There's emotional cruelty. There's a financial cruelty. There's cruelty to the children. There's cruelty to generations of people that come after that are affected by that divorce. The next question I want to ask you tonight is, are there biblical grounds for divorce? In In other words, is it ever okay to get divorced if you're a Christian? And the answer is yes. And Jesus recited that already in the book of of Matthew. He said, first of all, if someone's been unfaithful sexually, if your wife has cheated on you or your husband's cheated on you, you have grounds for divorce. Now, that doesn't mean you have to get divorced. There is forgiveness there if you choose that. I've seen couples come back together that were unfaithful to each other. I've seen them come back together. I've seen God move mountains. I've seen marriages come back together when when man and wife were unfaithful sexually with each other. But that is grounds for divorce if, in God's eyes. The other is mentioned in other biblical passages of abandonment. If a man were just to leave his family, then the wife has the, the option to divorce him at that point. Something was also mentioned in the book of Matthew about singleness. Did you catch that? So how many here, um, and, and you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but you're kind of thinking that you'll probably, get div- you'll probably get married one day. Raise your hand. You'll probably get married. Okay. I'm not going to ask you how many are planning on staying single because you might have just come out of a bad relationship and you're kind of thinking, I hate all men or, or I hate all women or whatever. I don't, so I, I don't want to ask that question because there might be some hurt there. But um, I want you to know it's okay to be single. It's okay to be single. Um, the Apostle Paul, who God used to write more than, the, of more than half of the New Testament, was a single man. He was used mightily of God. In fact, Jesus said, for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, it's okay for you to remain single. Anybody who can accept this can accept this, Jesus is saying. So um, some of you are saying maybe in your minds, so Ken, um, What about this old divorce thing? I mean, were your parents divorced or what? Um, Do you have any experience with this? Are you divorced? My parents were married over 49 years, just shy of 50, before my dad died. I've known my wife for 42 years, and we've been married for 33, almost 34 of that. I'm not an expert in marriage, and I'm certainly not an expert in divorce, And I can tell you it's not just about picking the right person to get married to. And I'm going to say something else that's going to probably crush some of you. I don't believe there's that special just one person on the planet for you. I believe that anyone who is in Christ can be compatible with you. I really do. My wife and I are definitely not perfect for each other. I'm athletic. She's definitely not athletic. She loves to cook. I love to eat. That's a good thing. Um... We've got some great compatibilities. I mean, we can finish each other's sentences sometimes, but man, can we fight sometimes. That's okay, though. It's okay to fight. Here's the thing. When we got together and we decided finally that we were going to get married, we made a deal. We said the word divorce is never going to be uttered in this house in, in association with us ever splitting up anyway. Why? Why? Because we believe that it's for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. My wife's the one that helped bring me back to health when I just got over cancer. She was there for me. And let me tell you something. The devil will throw every single thing at you to tell you that your wife's going to leave you. You're broken now. You had cancer. She's going to leave you for another man. The devil will throw every lie that you can imagine at you. But you know what? She stayed by my side, and she's the one that helped get me back to health to the point where just two and a half months later, I'm standing up in front of you feeling better than ever. It's my wife that helped me do that. Things are not perfect in my household, but I can guarantee you one thing. We'll never get divorced. Why? Because I trust her fully. She'll never cheat on me, and she can trust me fully. I'll never cheat on her. A vow is a very serious thing. We we vowed in front of our friends, hundreds of friends and family, and before God that we would stay together. In Malachi two fifteen and sixteen, there there is a phrase in there. It says, "Guard your hearts," and it says it twice: "Guard your hearts, guard your hearts." So tonight, I think the best word I could give you is simply this: guard your hearts when it comes to your relationships with the opposite sex. When you get married one day. Guard your heart. Do not look at other, other women if you're a guy. Don't look at other guys if you're a woman. God gave you that spouse. He wants you to guard your heart. Right next door, there's about 80 guys in there listening to a talk about pornography. Some of them are struggling with pornography. And some of you in here are struggling with pornography. I want to tell you something pornography is an insult to your spouse it's an insult to the one you're married to if you're married it's an insult to the one that you're going to marry one day don't look at pornography guard your heart your wife your husband in the future is worth it to have a pure mind to have a clean mind it's not always going to be easy when you're married life is hard but I want to tell you something. Your marriage can work if, you're, if it is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ. It can work. It won't always be easy, but it can work. A little while ago, I asked you to raise your hand if you're, if you're from a broken home or if someone you know and love is from a broken home. And almost every hand went up. Almost 50% of the marriages in church are going to end in divorce. But I'll tell you something. It doesn't need to be that way. And some of you are here right now because you've either gone through it because your parents or your parents are going through it. I want you to not give up on them. I want, you to, I want you to pray and I want you to tell at least one person to help you pray for your parents. And maybe, just maybe, they'll even be willing to go to this thing called engage, re-engage. It meets every Monday night. My wife and I went through it. Our marriage is good, but we went through it just for a tune-up. It's an awesome, awesome program. Challenge them to go through it. If they're ready to divorce... You tell them they have not gone to the nth degree. They've not tried as hard as they can try if they've not gone through re-engage. So just a little plug for re-engage. It's Monday nights. It's non-threatening. And have them give it a try. It's a great program. I'm going to say uh, just a couple more quick things here. Um, In our culture today, people seem to think that marriage is all about personal happiness. It's not about your personal happiness. i must say that again. Marriage is not about your personal happiness. It's about loving and honoring God. It's about loving and honoring another person. It's about loving and honoring your family. That's what marriage is about. It's not about your personal happiness. See, when you put happiness at the top, you never attain it. But when you put Jesus at the top, and loving and honoring him, and then loving and honoring your spouse, happiness comes. I've got a happy marriage. If you were to ask me on any particular day, is it happy? I might say, today wasn't such a good day, but tomorrow might be, you know? That's just the reality of it. When you live with another human being, it's never going to be perfect. And maybe for you, stay single. Like I said earlier, staying single, that's still a great thing. If you're going to do that to honor God and to to promote his kingdom, stay single. But I want you to know, if you're from a long line of divorce, you don't need to be that person that follows in that. You don't need to continue a generational curse of breaking up marriages. You can be the first in your family to have a marriage that actually works, to have a marriage that's in Christ, a marriage that honors him, and a marriage that honors your spouse. So I want to end on this, and then we're going to go to small groups. I want you to know tonight, and I know, I I don't know your hearts, but I know some of you came in here heavy tonight. I want you to know there's a family that never breaks up, and there's a father who never leaves. There's a family that never breaks up, and there's a father that never leaves. And that family is the family of God. And you're part of it. And the father that never leaves is your heavenly father. And I know that no matter where your heart is right now. I know that he loves you. And I know that he's for you. And I know that he's with you. And I know that he's caring for you. I want you to know that you're loved tonight by him. I know that you're loved also by your small group leaders and by the staff here as well. If um you have some things you need to talk through. I want you to open up tonight in your small group, and I want you to talk these things through. That's what that small group is there for. That's what your leaders spend all their, their spare time here for you to listen to you and to work through issues and problems and so forth. So I want you to take advantage of that. They love you very much. Um, I've got time for maybe one or two really fast questions. Go ahead. That's a great question. Um, Scripture doesn't directly mention that, but I can tell you this, that um, my parents who were married almost 50 years, there was physical abuse there for a while. My dad was an alcoholic. And for a time, in fact, probably, I think we left two or three times. My mom took us five kids and we moved out for a few weeks until things settled down, until my dad got the message that he needed to seek help with this alcoholism. I don't think you give up if you can, but I do think you get the heck out of a bad situation. You don't stay there and get your butt beat every night. That's not being godly. I was scared to death growing up when I was a teenager. I was scared to death my dad was gonna shoot my mom. I really was. I feared for her life every single night for probably six or eight years. And there were times that we just needed to get out. But God healed their marriage, put it back together. She continued to pray for him. She continued to love him. But she got out when she needed to get out. Does that answer your question? One more question? Yeah, if you're stuck in that situation right now, you obviously just got to make the best of it, right? But um, as I mentioned a little bit ago, you do not need to, it's almost like a generational curse. You do not need to continue that curse. In fact, it's time to break it. It's time to break that curse. Um, You are not bound to be divorced just because your parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and everybody else were divorced. It's time for you to rise up It's time for you to put your foot down. It's time for you to say to the person you're going to marry, listen, this marriage is going to be built on Jesus Christ. Divorce is not going to enter the picture. I'm going to love you for the rest of my life. If we're poor, we'll be poor together. If we're sick, we'll be sick together. We're going to stay here better or worse. It doesn't really matter. We're staying together. I think a lot of times it's just so dadgum easy to just say, I'm not happy, I'm leaving. I said it earlier. I'm going to say it again. Marriage is not about making you happy. It's about honoring God and honoring your spouse. That's what it's about. Love you guys. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you tonight that you're the God who heals the broken. You're the God who moves mountains. You're the God who's more than enough. You're the God who has uh, poured out your love upon us in the, in the form of Jesus Christ. You've taken... Uh, the wrath that we deserve upon yourself, Jesus, and we thank you for that. We thank you for being so good to us. We thank you for our families. We pray, Lord God, that if anybody's here right now whose hearts are are broken uh, because their family is broken, I pray that you'd minister to them by your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord God, that if anybody came here tonight whose parents are considering divorce, that you would intervene. I pray that you would mend these relationships again and work out these details. Lord, um, the differences that come up in, in relationships, I pray that you would be at the forefront of that, that they would get the help they need. God, we love you, and we thank you for being here tonight through Jesus' name. Amen.